Hey, everyone. Hi. Oh, my God. This is so exciting. Yeah, so the story is going to start at 8.30, but I'm personally of the philosophy that people who are, like, really punctual should get some sort of reward for their punctuality. So, yeah, early crowd. Yeah, I mean, I've gone to so many concerts, and then I arrive, and then 45 minutes later, I'm like, I regret that. Anyway, so I'm going to tell you a true mini-story, which is a meta-story. It's a story of a story. And it's the story of how Beastling came about and how this show in particular came about. So I should start by saying that it doesn't feel as though I wrote Beastling. It, it feels like I was just minding my own business and then tripped and then face planted into it. And there it was. And the way that more specifically happens is it starts with something that I call thought soup. And thought soup is just like this murky mixture of emotions and feelings and thoughts and like weird obsessions. And they're simmering and simmering. And then one day lightning comes down and strikes the mixture. And then a story crystallizes out of solution. And in a way, thought soup consists of every thought I've ever had and every experience I've ever lived and every movie, book, TV show I've ever watched or consumed. And a lot of times it can be hard when you, once the story is there to pick out what precisely went into the thought soup. But with Beastling, there's at least a couple ingredients that are still recognizable, like, like a carrot kind of floating on the surface. So I'm going to tell you about one of those things, one among many of those ingredients. So it starts with me quitting my job, which happened May 2nd of this year. And in the immediate days, yeah, yeah woo, <laughs> being unemployed, so great. Highly recommend it. Um, in the immediate days and weeks after that, I had a lot of days where it was really hard to say what I did all day. Probably the closest I could come would be to say I was brooding, I guess. I was just thinking a lot. And, you know, a lot of people, before I quit my job, had asked me, like, are you worried that you'll, like, just not do anything as a person? And I was like, not, not really. <laughs> um, and during this period, I specifically didn't worry about it because even though it was hard to pinpoint what I was doing, it felt productive. At some intuitive level, it felt productive. And there was this metaphor that I kept coming back to, which I'd read in a book called Orbiting the Giant Hairball. It's about how do you do creative work, like true creative work in a corporate, like a stifling corporate context. And there's a metaphor where this author says, picture a field full of dairy cows. And they're eating grass, they're moving around. And by the side of the pasture is a fence. And outside the fence is a man in a pinstripe business suit. And he's real like red in the face and he shakes his fist and he says, get back to work, you lazy cows. And the thing is, of course, the point of the parable is they are working. And a cow is in fact a miracle machine that takes grass and turns it into milk and cream. And that miracle takes place in the pasture, not in the milking shed. The milking shed's like the visible part. So I really like this metaphor because I think if you're going to be a manager of creative people, including and especially a manager of yourself, it's really important to have the wisdom to be able to recognize when the cows are in the pasture. And then if you suspect that they are in the pasture, to leave them alone and just let them do their cow thing and have the patience and the courage to trust that the milk will come when it comes, when it's ready. 
Anyway, during this period of my life, there was like a particular day, I woke up and I had a lot of strong intention that I was going to get my website up. So I was working on building aliceshipwise.com. And I was like, today will be the day I get the prototype up. I packed up my stuff and went to Landre, one of my favorite cafes in the mission. And yeah, great cafe. Yeah, and I like set up full like ergonomic with a stand and everything. I was like, I'm going to be so productive today. And so I'm like noodling along. And then at some point I take a break. And during my break, I go and I check this like group chat that I was in. And I have it open here so I can read part of it to you. So my friend Joanna, she had been doing a lot of research into suicide hotlines. And she posted a quote by someone who worked at a hotline for a long time. And it said, there's a common misconception that you should rush to talk them out of killing themselves. My job has taught me that's just not the case. Really, my job and all of our jobs is to form a connection with that person to meet them wherever they are in life and show them unadulterated empathy. Now, I read that. I thought it was very beautiful. And then it kind of triggered this long thought train. And I ended up putting this long thought dump into this group chat. And I was just like working over the question of does a person's life belong to themselves or does it belong to you know society or like the people around them and if you believe if you subscribe to the philosophy that it belongs to themselves how far are you willing to go to honor that like if i subscribe to that it seems like i should honor your right to take risks with yourself to you know like go to burning man and climb on unsound structures and like engage in risky sports and go like wingsuiting or engage in risky careers and if if you take that to its logical conclusion that suggests that I should respect your choice to take your own life if that's what you choose, even if I don't agree with it, and even if you know, that loss would be hurtful to myself. But then there's all these complications, like how do I know that it's really you, that you're really like, of sound mind making this like, considered choice? Like, What if you're in the middle of a psychotic break? What if you're on a drug? What if you're severely depressed? There's all these you know, murky gray areas. And this question, it's really important. Like, it's not an academic question to me. It's very personal. Like, twice in my life so far, I've called an ambulance for someone when they were specifically saying, do not call an ambulance for me. And those weren't suicide cases, but they, it's like the same sort of thing where it's like, I, I'm not sure if you're quite yourself, so, and I'm making an executive decision to overrule you, override your autonomy in the name of trying to help you. So I had that long thought dump. And then afterwards, I kind of put that chat away and pulled up my text editor again. And it's like staring at my HTML. And like somehow, I couldn't get back into it. I had some sort of mental block. And I was then at a crossroads where I'm like, should I try to force it? Should I like put a Pomodoro timer on or something, like self-flagellate a bit until I do the thing? or? Or what? And I had this intuition, this instinct, where I thought, I think the cows are in the pasture. And maybe I should let this weird mood that I'm in just like sit for a while. So I did that. I went for a long walk. And then when I came back, I like posted in the thread again. And I said, this thought dump put me in an interesting contemplative place. Had a good long walk slash brood. There's a story or something in here. Deep emotions, fraught concepts. And then... I continued later on, I said, I feel like somewhere in here is a really moving short story slash novel slash movie about this theme. I feel something percolating. 
So that was May 17th. And then that ran its course eventually, and I got back to work at some point that week. But it, it wasn't an obviously productive thing in that moment. And then May 29th, which is sometime later, suddenly I had this sudden, enormous, uncontrollable stroke of inspiration. And it was like this thing where the story just started happening in my head. And I actually have the receipts from that too, though I don't have them up right now, but I was like texting my sister, who's at the door, you probably saw her coming in. Uh, I was like texting Bernice, I'm like, Bernice, there's a story coming. It's like, it's like giving birth. It's like, it's coming, it's happening. Like she was like taking a nap and then she comes back to this like, pfft, like this giant vomit. And like, I wrote you a novel while you were asleep. And as I was like vomiting the story at her, I was experiencing it very similarly to how you might experience it in a moment where I don't know quite what's about to happen. You know, stuff will happen. I'll be like, oh shit. <laughs> like what really? And that was Beastling. That story was Beastling. And it arrived from beginning to end, like the core bones, the main beginning, middle to end structure of that story all arrived one day on May 29th. And then that was a Tuesday. As it happened, that Sunday was my birthday and it was my 30th birthday. So it had been blocked off on the calendar for a while for like me and my friends to, to do something. And as the day approached, I was like, guys, I think what I really want for my birthday is for you to sit and listen to me tell this story to you because I sensed that the story wanted to be like a novel or maybe a movie, but I was very impatient. I didn't want to wait until I'd written a script or written a manuscript to like share it with them. I was like, I'm just gonna extemporaneously summarize it to you. So I did that and it took four hours split across three separate tellings and I'm getting progressively more paranoid that they're not actually enjoying it anymore. And just, it's like, it's not my birthday anymore. You don't have to stay here. They're like, no, we swear. We swear we were enjoying this. I'm like, okay. Anyway, at the end, they swore up and down that they actually did like it. Um, I was like, what if I did that exact thing, but with more people? So you are the more people, and I'm going to do that exactly, but less than four hours, uh, but still, still long. So we're going to have an intermission in the middle, but it's going to be like real brief, maybe five minutes, because I did time check yesterday, and it was like pretty close. So anyway, feel free as we do the performance to move around, to like stretch your legs, go to the bathroom, come back, my voice is loud. It's a mostly auditory experience. And also feel free to react, hoot, make noise, like, you know, laugh, that sort of thing. This isn't like a white movie theater, this is live theater. I'm a human, I'm here, I'm talking to you. So all of that is very welcome. Like I love it, I feed off of it. So I'm gonna pause for like a minute for you to digest and then we'll start the story. Thank you so much.